podcast. And these are the stories of the heart of the community in the heartland. This series brings to life the oral histories of journalists in North and South Dakota, newspaper legends who devoted their lives to covering their rural communities. By now, a few have passed on, but all of their legacies endure, and their history is forever preserved in the newspapers they leave behind, as well as through these stories. These episodes are sponsored by the North Dakota Newspaper Association and the South Dakota Newspaper Association. Since the 1880s, both have advocated for the public's right to know and for the importance of newspapers in a democracy. Tim Gallego has made significant progress for the Native American community across the country through his journalistic and publishing endeavors. In creating the Lakota Times, Gallego gave a voice to Native Americans and addressed critical issues on the reservations. Persistent through gunshots, firebombs, and other threats to his newspaper office, Gallego stayed motivated and encouraged his employees to continue to report what was necessary. Throughout his career, he has used his wide range of connections to continue to make a difference for the unheard and stifled voices of Native Americans. Here is part of his story. My Lakota name is Nawichak Gigi, which stands for, stands up for them. And I was born on the Pine Ridge Reservation on July the 12th, 1934. I grew up on the Pine Ridge Reservation attended elementary and high school at the Holy Rosary Indian Mission at Pine Ridge. I was in a boarding school nine months out of the year, and so I only saw my parents in, in the summertime. And I think the hard part back in those days in the 30s was coming out of the Depression, uh, and it was just surviving. I think they saw me more of us children doing something to bring money into the family rather than to pursue higher educations. It was the thing back in in my day when you went to the boarding school by force. I mean, they came and picked you up and took you and put you in the schools. I, I lived in Kyle and I also lived at Wounded Knee. So they were both my hometowns. And uh, to me, I always thought of them as happy places. We fished and we swam in the Kyle Dam and we spent most of our summer days there. And uh, Wounded Knee was, a really happy community. We played in the streets in front of the trading post, and my dad worked in the trading post, so they were good times. Most of us grew up in poverty. Most of us never had a chance to to leave the reservation and to go on and, and do other things in our lives, so it, it was very difficult times. Gallego did, however, go on and make a name for himself. He recalls a pivotal moment in his life that helped motivate him to launch his own newspaper. Well, I think probably when I worked for the Rapid City Journal and there were a lot of stories I wanted to go out and do out on the reservations and uh, budgets were limited and the, the uh, logistics just weren't there. So I didn't get the chance to really go out and do any stories I wanted to do. But one day I got a chance to go down and interview uh, Chief Fool's Crow down at Kyle. And to me that was sort of an eye-opening experience. I'm sitting here with this elderly Lakota man and he's telling me uh, his history. He lived to be almost 100 years old so he saw a good part of uh, the early history of South Dakota. And I found out things about myself talking to this elderly man. He said, uh, I got my very first horse from your father. And we used to ride together around Kyle. 
And he said, I had my eye on your mother, but your father beat me out. He said, you could have been my son. <laughs> so those are things that got me to think. There's a whole lot of history right here on a reservation that is not being reported. And uh, I thought, we need, a, we need our own newspaper to do these things. When I was working for the Rapid City Journal, some of my friends from Pine Ridge was wondering, why don't we have a newspaper? At that particular time in our history, we had no newspaper. Uh, why don't you come down to Pine Ridge and start one? And I told him, I'm a, I'm a news reporter. I don't know anything about starting a, business, a newspaper, a business. So, but I went down to the reservation, and uh, my friend who really wanted me to get into the business had a 1946 Plymouth that was totally restored. We used that as collateral and took it over to the bank in Rushville, Nebraska, and we got a loan for $4,000, and that's what I started the Lakota Times with. Uh, I started the Lakota Times at the same time that Shannon County, where Pine Ridge is located then, at a time when the interest rates at the banks were almost 20%. Shannon County had just been proclaimed the poorest county in America. So if I knew anything about business, I would never have done anything that was many people thought was very stupid. But I started the paper and with the $4,000, and our first publication came out on July the 1st, 1981. I think the proudest day of my life was when I took the papers to the printer, got it printed, took it out and delivered it myself to all the stores and talked them into carrying my paper. And I was coming back into Pine Ridge Village and right across from the Shoemason Shopping Center there were some benches and there was two elderly Lakota men sitting there reading the Lakota Times. And I thought, oh my God, they're reading my newspaper. <laughs> that, was, that was a big moment in my life. You know, getting started in, in Pine Ridge was really tough because uh, we had a lot of conflict going on between an uh, organization called the American Indian Movement and the tribal government. I decided we were going to use our newspaper to, to, to do some real hard editorials addressing the violence that was happening on the reservation. So we started doing that. I started writing editorials about both sides, uh, the, the tribal administration, the American Indian Movement. And my windows got shot out, uh, I think, the first six months I was in business. Uh, December of 81, I got firebombed. I came out to my, get my car one night and somebody put a bullet right through the windshield past my head. So those were the first five or six months of trying to start a newspaper down there. But I, I, I knew that we were doing something right because when I first started the paper, everybody was so terrified that uh, I could never ever even get a letter to the editor with some of the hard editorials I was writing. And one day I got an editor, uh, a letter from an elderly lady and, and uh, she said, Tim Gallego is trying so hard to bring some changes. We ought to get behind him and support him. And after that, we start getting people start opening up and accepting our our, our newspaper as a forum for their for their complaints. And so that's when I knew that we were going to be be a, a success. Gallego indeed quickly saw the impact his newspaper could have. We had corruption in tribal government, and we addressed that. We had a very poor system of health care on the reservation, even to the point where some of the Native American women were being sterilized. Those were stories we addressed. Our schools were probably the poorest schools in the United States. 
I had a myriad of, of issues that the paper addressed in the early years and still does today. It was their paper, for the first time in their history, they had a voice. They had a place where they could express their opinions. They had a, a, a paper that carried a lot of the good news that was going on. We carried the, the news about uh, what was happening in the schools. We carried sports stories. We carried stories about some of the people who were doing good things on the reservation. They never had that before because the, the daily papers around the reservation uh, never bothered to go in and do those stories. We were the very first independent Native American-owned newspaper in the United States. The first independently owned. All the rest of the papers in the United States were owned by the tribal government or, or government agency. They had no freedom of expression, of course, because you couldn't criticize the people that were paying you. So we came along, one of the things, you know, I, I came up with the, the expression that uh, the newspaper associates in South Dakota, the newspaper owners, they were like the proverbial mule. You had it hit between the eyes of the two-by-four to get their attention. And that's the way I started out the Dakota time. We challenged so many er, uh, erroneous stories in the different newspapers, television, radio in South Dakota. Every time we saw it, we went after them. And uh, of course, it didn't make us very popular, but that was part of our job. Our, our job was to, to get, get the, the correct version of some of the stories, especially historical stories, out so that people would know the truth. Well, when you have a newspaper that can challenge uh, the legit legitimacy of an election on a reservation, a tribal paper couldn't do that, but we did. And uh, so I think that built our, we went to, eventually, we were on Pine Ridge only, that's where we started. And we started getting calls from Rosebud, you know, why aren't you over here? So we started delivering our paper over in Rosebud and getting a reporter to cover it. Pretty soon it was Crow Creek, Laura Brew, uh, Standing Rock. Before we knew it, we were on all nine reservations in the state. We were on the reservations of North Dakota, Wyoming, Nebraska. We, in, in eight years, we, we became the biggest weekly newspaper in, in South Dakota. There was no forum uh, for Native American writers. And there were a lot of, I got, I've got columnists that I think are some of the best in the United States. They had no forum. They, they would do their articles, and if there was any controversy at all in anything they wrote, it never got published. They had a forum with our paper. Our readers knew that they, they could read stories that they're not going to read anywhere else. They're going to read stories that impact their lives, uh, by people they care about, their future, and that's what our paper did. The, the people I had writing for me were, were mostly Native American women, and, I, and most of them were fluent in their own language. And they had to have, I think, that uh, way that had that upbringing in order to be able to go out and interview some of the people that wouldn't talk to the media otherwise. So I think uh, the reporters I had, uh, the women and the men, opened a lot of doors that uh, were probably closed to the outside media. We did editorials beginning uh, 25, 30 years ago on using Native Americans as mascots. And uh, we really we really did some hard editorials about uh, supposing that we was watching the Washington R-word, we call them, Redskin football game, and they took a pig and they painted it red, 
and put feathers on it and chase it around the football field. And my analogy was, what if they had taken a pig and painted it black and put an Afro wig on it? There had been outcry all over the United States, but because we're such a small minority, nothing ever happened. So Oprah Winfrey was sent a copy of that. I don't know who who did it, but we got a call, and she asked me to be on uh, the Oprah Winfrey show. I think it was 1991, and it was the first time that anyone had ever talked about uh, mascots, Indians mascots, on national television. There was uh, Suzanne Harjo, myself, and a guy named Michael Haney went on the Oprah show in 91. I still have that tape, but that was a good experience. That's not to say there weren't difficult moments in his career as well. I think I can almost pinpoint it. It was Christmas week of 1981, and the paper had been going for about six months. Payday was coming up. I had no money to pay my staff. We were on the verge of closing the paper. Uh, we had been out selling advertising and everything, but you know, it, it's cumulative. You have to wait for the, them to write you a check. So I got in my car and I drove across the border to Rushville, Nebraska, and I, I met the, the, the bank, one of the bank presidents. And I told him, I said, I know our paper's going to succeed, but right now, I said, we're up against it. I can't even make payroll. Uh, I, I really need your help. And I had my hand out, my hat, and he gave me enough loan to, to carry me for three months. And the income started to kick in, and the paper started going, and uh, the advertising started to pay off. So the fact that I faced having to close something that I loved, it'd be like burying one of my children. Uh, I think probably that was one of the hardest times of my life. When you own a business, you have very little home. It's mostly work. Uh, I started to go to times I worked seven days a week, sometimes 12, 13, 14 hours a day. I wrote the entire newspaper. I took all the pictures. I laid out the newspaper. I took it to the printer. I loaded it in my car and delivered it. Then I went out and sold advertising on weekends. Gallego uses the challenges of his life to motivate youth to keep striving for success. Well, when I speak at uh, Native American High School graduations, that's one of the points I emphasize, that I had no advantage than any of you sitting here getting your diplomas. I grew up on the Pine Ridge Reservation. I lived in a house with no running water, with no electricity, that had an outhouse. my mom used to go out and sweep our dirt yard with a broom to keep it nice and neat. So I came from where you came from, and yet I was able to, to uh, find a profession that I could uh, become successful at. And any of you kids sitting here have that same opportunity. It's just a question of hard work. I always emphasize that I learned to work hard And uh, I worked in the sugar beet fields when I was 14 years old from sunup to sundown with my dad. And uh, I I just learned to to work really hard. And when I started a business, I'm glad I had that background of working hard because, like I said, I had to work so hard every day just to get the newspaper out. And you you can't succeed if you're not going to put the work ethic, the work effort behind it. You just won't. Gallego's name means stands up for them, and it's how he hopes he's remembered. 
Well, I hope I could be remembered as someone who brought about change in South Dakota where people thought it was impossible. And I, I think we've marched a long way in that direction. I wouldn't be sitting here today if we hadn't come that far. For the Dakota Journalist Podcast, I'm Terry Finneman, with sound editing by Savannah Wakefield. And these are the stories of the heart of the community in the heartland.